Good morning, folks. I just want to um, say that uh, um, we as elders here at the Rock Community Church have a job assigned by God to shepherd his people as well as we possibly can. I can't think of a, a better, more qualified group of guys to serve with. But sometimes we fall short. And this past week, although we prayed for Ray and Marillion and last Sunday's pastoral prayer, we did fail to inform the congregation that Marillion's brother had passed away. And um, we tried to correct that this week by sending out an email. And uh, I wanted to make that announcement this morning uh, publicly expressing our regret and apology to both Ray and Marillion and assure them of our continued prayers and sympathies during this time of, of great loss. So um, please accept our, our request for forgiveness. I first came across this poem a number of years ago, and some of you may have heard of it before. It's titled, I Can't Remember. Just a line to say I'm living, that I'm not among the dead, though I'm getting more forgetful and mixed up in the head. I got used to my arthritis, to my dentures I'm resigned. I can manage my bifocals, but God, I do miss my mind. For sometimes I can't remember when I stand at the foot of the stairs, if I must go up for something, or if I've just come down from there. And before the fridge, so often, my poor mind is filled with doubt. Have I just put some food away, or have I come to take some out? And there is time when it is dark, with nightcap on my head. I don't know if I'm retiring or just getting out of bed. So if it's my turn to write you, there's no need for getting sore. I may think that I have written and don't want to be a bore. So remember that I love you and wish that you were near. But now it's nearly mail time, so I must say goodbye, my dear. There I stand beside the mailbox with a face so very red Instead of mailing you my letter, I've opened it instead. <laughs> you may not be able to relate to that poem yet. But statistics don't lie. This would be a great family feud category. I can hear the host saying, Things people most often forget. Top six answers on the board. And let me give you the six top answers from the least to the most. And the survey says, number six, faces, 42%. Number five, what was said. Number four, words. Number three, telephone numbers. Number two, where something is, 60%. And the thing that most people often forget is, you got it. Names, 
Now, all of us struggle to one degree or another with remembering. Some have amazingly almost photographic memories, but others of us find it hard to remember even what day of the week it is. And personally, I find I'm often remembering the things I wish I could forget and forgetting the things that I wish I could remember. It's strange how all that works. This morning, as we continue our study of this book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon opens chapter 12 with a reminder to remember. That's the title of this morning's message, A Reminder to Remember. The first eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 demand that you and I exercise our memories, that we remember, so that we experience life under the sun as God intended it to be experienced. That is, after all, according to John chapter 10, why God, dressed in human flesh, came and dwelt among us, so that we might have life and have it to the full. Allow me to read this passage of scripture, then we'll pray, and then we'll begin to focus on these first eight verses of the final chapter of this book of Ecclesiastes. Just before we begin, I should say that Cynthia and I have arranged with the elders to be away for the next couple of weeks on some summer holidays. When we return, we will have our last message based on the book of Ecclesiastes and celebrate Uh, a study that began many months ago, and we've made our way through the entire book. I can only hope and pray that you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and that God has used it in your life to help you to work out the salvation that he is working in you. The next series that we'll be focusing on is the New New Testament book of Ephesians. And uh, so please pray with me as through my preparations, as we anticipate what God is going to teach us from this letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers in the city of Ephesus. Please stand with me for the reading from God's Word this morning. Beginning at verse 1 of Ecclesiastes. Sean, would you mind turning these lights on, please? I'm getting older. Thank you. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and the mighty men stoop, The grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of the song will sing softly. Furthermore, Men are afraid of a high place and of tares on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, 
and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. This is God's word to us today. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Father, you are the creator and sustainer of all things. In his message on Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul proclaimed, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. Yes, Lord. We affirm the Apostle Paul's proclamation. We acknowledge your inescapable presence. And we invite you to continue your renovations in our lives this morning. Individually and collectively. As we hear, ponder, and then hopefully respond appropriately to this inspired text. Teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness so that we might work out your gracious gift of salvation by the power of your spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. As we begin, I want to invite us to keep in mind that remembering is often time-sensitive. Remembering is often time-sensitive. Notice verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Remember. You may want to underline or circle or highlight that word. See, the very first word in this passage of Scripture that we're considering this morning happens to be an imperative. It's a command. And you're probably getting tired of hearing me say this, but, but that means that it's not just a suggestion to be considered. It's not a take-it-or-leave-it option. To be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you need to remember. It's a duty to be performed. Remember, 
with an exclamation mark. Let's take a closer look at this word, remember. The Hebrew word actually includes the idea of recalling something to mind. That's exactly how it is used in the other three occurrences found here in in Solomon's book of Ecclesiastes. Let's look at chapter 9, verse 15, for example. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. They put him out of their minds. They forgot all about him. He never came to their mind, even though he had delivered them from their enemy. Amazing. They failed to remember him. But this Hebrew word can mean something much broader than just bringing it to mind. As we move beyond the book of Ecclesiastes, we find this same Hebrew word used, actually the very first time that it's used is in Genesis chapter 8 verse 1. And listen very carefully as I read. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. Now you and I both know that an omniscient, all-knowing God hasn't forgotten about Noah and the animals on the ark. And notice the verse continues. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. So when God remembered Noah and the animals, he acted on their behalf. The wind blew and the water receded so that they could eventually leave that ark. Interesting. Let's consider another example. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah is one of two wives married to a man by the name of Elkanah. But Hannah had been unable to conceive. At the end of verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 1 we read, And Elkanah had relations with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son And she named him Samuel. And they lived happily ever after. It was a happy ending. But notice it was a result of God remembering her that Hannah was able to conceive and give birth to her first child. God's remembering resulted in his acting on Hannah's behalf. One more example from the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The law commands us to recall or to remember the Sabbath day so that we can behave in a particular way. So in the Bible, when we are commanded to remember something, It involves more than just a a mental exercise where we bring to our minds something that has taken place in the past. Rather, 
we are to act or respond appropriately in a way that pleases God and benefits others. It is a remembering that guides our behavior, our actions and our reactions, our words and our deeds. Here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon's command to remember involves more than just recalling something. Remembering is just the beginning. And notice, he continues by telling us what we're to remember. Notice verse 1 again. Remember also your creator. So remember now expands to remember your creator. The Bible begins by introducing God in Genesis chapter 1 as the creator. In the beginning, God created. That's how the Bible begins. That's how it opens. God introduces himself as the creator. Hi, my name's George Boyd. I serve as one of the elders here at the Rock Community Church. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it's, Hi, my name is God. I am the creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God is communicating some significant information. He wants to be known, first and foremost, as the creator. As we make our way through the Bible, that message is continually reinforced, affirmed, and even clarified. I've already included an excerpt from the Apostle Paul's message on Mars Hill that, that affirms God as the creator. In fact, it reads, God who made the world and everything in it. Listen now to his explanation that he wrote to believers at the church at Colossae. Christ is the invisible image of the is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus Christ is God dressed in human flesh. He goes on. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Christ, God dressed in human flesh, is the creator and sustainer of all things including you and me. And notice Solomon wants it to take it personally. It's not remember the creator, but remember your creator. The Old Testament prophet uses some unbelievably graphic imagery in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, 
and you are potter. And all of us are the work of your hands. Beloved, you and I are God's creations. And he holds our very breath in his hand. Job chapter 12 and verse 10. And being the creator and sustainer of your life and my life carries some significant implications with respect to our our value as individuals, ownership, autonomy, dependence, and accountability. Remember also your creator. Requires more than us just bringing things to mind about God. Or remembering that there is a God requires us to live in light of what we know about God. It means considering him with the intention of obeying him. Derek Kidner explains, for our part, to remember him is no perfunctory or purely mental act. It is no perfunctory or purely mental act. It is to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and commit ourselves to him. That's what it means to remember your God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 reads, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed with your, to your ancestors with an oath. Remembering God, your dependence on him, in the same way the Israelites were incapable of fulfilling the, the terms of the covenant apart from God. Likewise, you and I are incapable of living the life that God desires us to live apart from his empowerment. Psalm 19, 119, verse 55. O oh Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. Remembering your God is the first step in a long walk of obedience in the same direction. Living a life of obedience begins with remembering your God. And perhaps Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is a, is a New Testament parallel when it comes to this idea. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Remembering involves seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Remember, exclamation mark. Remember your creator. Then notice verse 1 again. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. Now those evil days are not necessarily referring to the, the days that Paul wrote to Timothy about in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
Listen to his description. Days when people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, those are evil days, certainly. And they're describing the days it will be like on this planet just prior to Jesus Christ's second return. But the Hebrew word translated evil days in this particular passage, does, it has a broader meaning than that. It doesn't necessarily have to be to that extent. In fact, in this context, Solomon is probably referring to the hurts and hardships, the misfortunes and the setbacks, the troubles and adversities. Indeed, the evils that come with the aging process. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. You may want to take your pen and pencil or highlighter and circle that word before. It's found here in verse 1. Notice it's found again in verse 2. And then look down at the verse 6. There it is again. So using repetition, Solomon is creating this sense of urgency. Do it before. Before this. Before this. Before this. Remember your creator sooner rather than later. Verse 2 through 5 present a progression that, that moves us reflectively through an in, inevitable process of growing older. Remember your creator before you are no longer a youth. Notice that? Notice verse 1 again. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. The New Living Translation puts it in a more negative spin on it. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Youth presents a time in our lives when we should remember our creator. With all the passion and strength, the potential, the dreams, the innocence, the minimal responsibilities, and the energies that we have when we are young. It's the best time in life to remember your creator. Think about it. You'll have the rest of your life to walk with him and to serve him. On my everyday column, on my prayer sheet, I have listed two requests that I pray for our grandchildren. Number one, I pray that they would grow as Jesus grew. According to Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that they would grow in wisdom, 
in stature, in favor with God and others every day. And the second thing that I pray is that God would draw them to himself so that early in their lives they would come to understand their own depravity. They would ask God for forgiveness, repent of their sin, and by faith begin trusting Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. And admittedly, as their grandfather, I would pray that that would happen sooner rather than later. Remember your creator in your youth. But if not when you're young, then before you find yourself in trouble, before you find yourself in over your head and trying to keep your head above the water, before you are consumed with trying to survive some kind of crisis that has entered your life. Remember your creator when life is easy, when things are cool, calm, and collected. Don't wait until things are coming apart at the seams or until you hit rock bottom and you're finally, as a last resort, reaching out to God. Remember also your creator, continuing in verse 1, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Bill Allen, one of our elders here at the Rock Community Church, recommended I read a book on his way out the door to a week of holidays. Written by Al Mohler, entitled The Gathering Storm. Have you heard of it? In the introduction to that book, he tells us how he titled his book. And let me read this. In his massive six-volume History of the War, Churchill entitled the first volume, The Gathering Storm. Covering Europe's long years of denial about the Nazi threat, the title captured my attention years ago, Muller says. Churchill's choice of words was perfect. He was documenting a storm that was gathering in public view for all to see, if only they would see. Summarizing his case, Churchill described the volume as the story of how, and this is, quote, how the English-speaking peoples throughout their unwisdom, through their unwisdom, carelessness, and good nature, allowed the wicked to return, end of quote. And of course, to rearm. I borrowed Winston Churchill's title 
for I see a gathering storm that already presents itself as a tremendous challenge to the faithfulness of the Christian church. Actually, this storm has been on the horizon and working its way through history for over a century now. But in our day, with a dramatic strengthening and acceleration. This is the gathering storm of the secular age. Here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, King Solomon saw another gathering storm. A gathering storm that threatened to leave God behind. It becomes just life under the sun. God has been eliminated. Each one of us has been set free to do what is right in our own eyes. Jesus, when facing his own personal storm, was focused on preparing his closest earthly companions for life in his absence. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read these words of warning and assurance. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Storms. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Remember your creator in your youth. And if not then, before you find yourselves in the midst of days of trouble. And if not then, before you grow a day older. In these next verses, Solomon uses a series of metaphors or word pictures to describe the aging process. One of my early readings of this text, I wrote in my notes, this old house, quotation marks. It really is a clever and brilliant literary strategy here. Absolutely brilliant. It forces us to slow down with each phrase and think about what he's saying. They function like speed bumps. It's impossible to race through these verses. Some have referred to them as, and these are quotes, a most eloquent series of poetic pictures. The most beautiful poem ever written about growing old. One of the most imaginative descriptions of old age and death found anywhere in literature. Allow me to read through these verses, pausing at each phrase to identify what Solomon was referring to. Admittedly, some are a whole lot more obvious than others, but let's work our way through them. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble is a reference to your hands and arms as they begin to shake in old age. 
And mighty men stoop, legs, knees, hips, shoulders, and or back. You're left hunched and hobbled. The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. You've lost your teeth. And in this day, it's you have implants or dentures. And those who look through windows grow dim. Your eyesight begins to fail. And the doors on the street are shut as the sounds of the grinding mill is low. You require hearing aids. Welcome to the family. And one will arise at the sound of the bird. You have trouble sleeping. And all the daughters of song will sing softly. Your vocal cords lose their strength. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Your fears increase. Fear of heights. Fear of falling. Fear of travel. So much nicer just to stay home. The almond tree blossoms. Your hair turns white or disappears altogether. The grasshopper drags himself along. You find yourself relying on canes, walkers, potentially a wheelchair. The caperberry is ineffective. Now in Solom Solomon's day, caperberries were used as to stimulate appetite or as an aphrodisiac. And so what he's saying is your passions, your desires, they begin to wane in old age. Let me just say that this might be great literature, but growing old sucks. But it's inevitable. From the moment of conception, we are moving forward to an inevitable end. And that, beloved, includes growing older, year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day, moment by moment. Time's Pace was a poem written by Henry Twells, who was born in 1823 and died in the year 1900. The poem was published in his book of hymns and other stray verses. When I was a child, I laughed and wept. Time crept. When as a youth, I waxed more bold. Time strolled. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still, I daily grew. Time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on, time gone. O Christ, wilt thou have saved me then? Amen. Remember your Creator before your youth passes.
But if not then, before you find yourself facing all kinds of troubles, and if not then, then before you grow a day older, and if not then, I beg you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm appealing to you before the day of your death. Notice the end of verse 5. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Four more wonderful metaphors, word pictures of death. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And that, my friends, is a very rare understanding in the Old Testament of Life beyond the grave. Solomon is displaying a wisdom here that is way beyond his time. Remember, he doesn't have the New Testament. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Solomon's common refrain that has been repeated a time and time again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Life is transitory. It is life in the mist. Always changing. And so are you. And so am I. We are like a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. And that is why the most important thing you and I can do in this life is to prepare for our death. And in this regard, remembering is time sensitive. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. And just as each person is destined to die once and after this, comes judgment. Remember. Remember your creator. Remember your creator sooner rather than later. And don't forget, remembering your creator means more than just bringing him to mind, thinking about God. It means considering him with the intention of obeying him. This Friday, past Friday, I celebrated yet another birthday. So bear with me as I borrow this prayer. It's an anonymous prayer that I came across this week in my studies. Some of you will be able to relate. The rest of you will be able to relate in time. But let's pray together. Thou knowest, Lord, I'm growing older. My fire of youth begins to smolder. 
I somehow tend to reminisce and speak of good old days I miss. I am more moody, bossy, and think folks should jump at my command. Help me, Lord, to conceal my aches and realize my own mistakes. Keep me sweet, silent, sane, serene, instead of crusty, sour, and mean. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.